TTYA Talks, the podcast. This episode was brought to you by Shivas Regal. I Rise We Rise celebrates untraditional roots of success, amplifying the power of community in a talent's journey. Since starting my brand TTYA 10 years ago, I have always strived to use my platform to galvanise communities. TTYA started as a fashion brand focused on addressing the lack of representation and diversity in the fashion industry. I worked to create a space for marginalised communities so people could feel included within that conversation. The brand has now grown into a full lifestyle brand, which encompasses the podcast, yay, workshops and events. My mission has always been rooted in creating a more equitable space through connection, information and network. As I celebrate my 10th anniversary, I'm so proud of all the people who have followed my journey and the collective that I've been able to create. This will be the first in a series of exciting live events and opportunities for communities to converge and learn. So stay tuned for what's to come next. Hello, everybody. Hi. I'm a bit nervous today, you know. I never really get nervous, but this is my first TTYA Talks live back since COVID, like proper live events. So... Thank you guys for your time. I think the last two years have been super precious. And if anything that we've learned, we've learned time is of the essence. So without further ado, this is TTYA Talks. I'm your host, Irene TTYA. And this is actually TTYA's 10-year anniversary. So 10 years ago, my brand launched in Selfridges. And I started TTYA as a platform to galvanize girls who I felt like me were excluded from the fashion conversation. And it has since gone on to become a lifestyle brand, which contains the podcast, live events, and still fashion, because you know we got to give it to them. Um, So yeah, again, thank you guys for your time tonight. Um, Tonight was powered by Shivas. Some of you guys might see me in the I I Rise, We Rise campaign. It was all across London town. They blasted my face everywhere. And we love it because the reason why I love those guys so much is because I feel like a lot of our brand values are aligned. And it's more about galvanizing your community, continuing to champion your community, entrepreneurship. So we're here to talk business, guys. Who's ready to hear some business talk? Give me some signal. So our topic today is about pivoting and prospering. And when I say pivoting and prospering, I'm referencing the ability to be able to navigate across the creative industries, but not sticking in one lane. And the question I get asked a lot is, how do you do all the things that you do? And I'm just like, because I love everything. I genuinely love everything that I do. But also there's this really interesting saying that says, jack of all trades, master of none. And I actually think you can be jack of all trades and master of some, and all of them. So without further ado, um, I think it's important that I speak a bit about today's guest. She's someone that I love very, 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 very much. Um, She's a powerhouse, Um, she's a musician, she's an actress, she's a creative director, she's a photographer, she holds an enemy award. Give her some signal, guys. She holds a Brit award. And her fourth album, Sometimes I Might Be an Introvert, went on to win the 2022 Mercury Music Prize. My guys, give it up for my sister, 
Simbiatu, Abisola, Abiola, Ajikawo, AKA Little Sims. Louder, louder, guys. Louder, louder, guys. Hello, everyone. Hello, Hayden. Hey, little Sims. Hello, Irene. How are you today? Not too bad. You're looking warm and snug, sis. I can't lie. <laughs> it's giving. It's giving cozy. <laughs> I am very cozy. Even though it's meant to be spring, like, it's still got to so wrap up warm. Everything, I'm always like, with every guest that I have, I think it's important that we kind of start at the beginning. So, roots and culture, family life, where you grew up, education, give us the, B the BTS of Little Sims. Okay, I grew up in North London, um, Highbury and Islington. Not very, North, not very many North London people in here tonight. No? We're silent. Who's from North London? Yeah, let's okay. go. Okay, I, st I stand corrected. Yeah. Sorry about it. South? I'm, of course. I'm from Dirty South. Anyone from South London in here? You see? You know the vibes. <laughs> you know it's energy. You know how we give it to them. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I'm from North London. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Highbury and Islington, to be exact, I went to uh, Highbury Fields Girls School. Um, I'm the youngest of four, so I'm the baby. Very, uh, could have gotten away with anything. Um, yeah, single parent, my mum raised us four um, on a council estate. And yeah, I guess like I was always a kid that enjoyed just performing arts in its entirety. Like whether that was singing, dancing, rapping, music, like acting, anything within that realm was just what I had a natural uh, attraction towards. I was never really much of a academic kid. I wasn't a dummy, but I wasn't like, you know, I've, did struggle with the super academic subjects, but I was really creative. And so I think, well, I started when I was nine, by the time I got to 14, I know, okay, this is what I know I wanna do for my life. This is what I wanna commit to. And uh, I just kind of followed it through. I think it really helped that I had a very loving and supportive family, because I believe that's the root of it all. Like I think when your foundation's so strong, it allows you to build your bricks on that. And um, yeah, that definitely helped me to get to where I am now. My sister managed me for a while. Even that mix of family and business. Don't know if I'd advise. We're going to talk about it, sis. <laughs> We're going to talk about it. Um, but yeah, she managed me for a period of time. She was very, you know, had my back. Um, and of course, had my best interest at heart. You know, being young, going to studio sessions. Like, you know, they weren't really trying to have me in random sessions with random dudes or whatever it was. So I always had my family around to kind of um, protect me in, in any situation. Um, and yeah, and then I flew and I'm here. Yep. I love that. I want to talk a little bit about the crossover because you just mentioned about having a, support, a supportive system around you. I think there are some obviously connotations and stereotypes about being West African and going into a creative career. Many of our parents want us to be doctors, lawyers, architects. Did you have to, how easy was it for you to kind of navigate that conversation or your mum saw from early that, you know what, this is my daughter's lane and she's gonna, she's gonna run it up? 
Yeah, I think she knew from early that this is what I was going to do, but she was hot on me having an education. Um, so when I dropped out of uni, that wasn't a good conversation. Um, but I just, you know, had a real honest conversation, man. I was just like, you know, trusting what you've done as well. You know, you raised me to be something amazing. And there's no way I'm going to be a bum. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to honor my word and I'm going to make this work. And I think with her blessing, that really allowed me to, to fly. But yeah, I have, you know, even my cousins, like, I'm so grateful for my mum because I know some of my aunties, they're not hearing that at all. So, yeah. It was similar for me. Like when I first was speaking to my mum about fashion, she was like, yeah, that's cute, but she really wanted me to like make sure that I had a plan B, C, D, E, F, G. And when I, so I've got a forensic science degree, lol. And, um... A forensic science degree? <laughs> <laughs> what? Pivoting and prospering. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember having that conversation about thinking about really launching my brand. And my mum was like, I hear it because she was on that journey with me of like never being able to have school clothes or always feeling like I'm the tall girl and I've got to stand at the back. So I think she sympathised, but also she knew the best that she knew. So she was like, you also need to make sure that you, you got your studies. So I remember specifically when the brand launched at Selfridges and I knew that I had bus case here because my mum brought her pasta to the shop floor and I knew that I, I knew that that's when she thought, okay, this girl hasn't been playing games in the background <laughs> that I'd really landed because when your mum comes with your pasta to any activations that you're doing, you know that you've really, you, things are really dirty, you know? So you touched a little bit on your sister kind of being your backbone and kind of navigating you through those early stages. I did want to talk a little bit more about some of the misconceptions about being in the music industry, because I think people just think you have a hit song and then you're a millionaire and that's it. They don't really see some of the grind in the back, in, in the back end. And I really wanted to ask you maybe what were some of the hurdles that you've had to overcome being in the music industry and potentially... Like, if you were looking back at yourself now, what would you have said, oh, navigate this way? What are some of the big hurdles that you had to overcome? Um, I think some of the big hurdles that I had to overcome... Well, I started even in a, like, collective... There's a collective called Space Age. It was, like, a group of us. Um, and even that, I think many artists kind of start in a, in a group. And then there's usually one that kind of goes you know and I think for me someone that I love being a part of a team like I love winning with my people to to almost have to be the one that's like oh, okay I guess it's me that's just gonna continue the mission and go on the solo journey I found really difficult but I think as I got older I realized that my calling is not everyone else's calling and my purpose is not everyone else's purpose and I can't uh, be mad at that and I had to, I guess, just big tune. <laughs> I guess I just had to um, accept and, and let go and understand that um, I'm going to face many of these uh, hurdles as I go along on this journey. And I think also understanding the business because you could put me in a studio and I know what I can do. I know I can write a song or whatever and I can deliver that but if you put me in a meeting with 12 execs 
I might, I don't know what to say, do you know? So I think, um, and obviously no one teaches you that. No one teaches you how to even conduct yourself in a meeting, which is really just to be yourself and understand that you've got a place at this table for a reason. Um, but I think definitely, yeah, I've, I've definitely found the business side really uh, challenging. And... Um, yeah, if that answers your question. I mean, I can get into... Yeah, I want to, like... You know I'm going to dig, dig a little deeper. I think it would be good to maybe have an example mm. um, of maybe one... And I, and I can give one. For example, um, when I did my first collaboration, exactly what you just said, I didn't realise my worth. Mm. So I went in there thinking, I'm just grateful for the opportunity. I'm just happy to be here. Mm. And I actually didn't realize in that specific moment that I was devaluing myself yeah. because I wasn't actually walking with my chest forward knowing that what my value was. Yeah. So they saw that, so they lowballed me. And I just thought the lowball was still a check. So I'm thinking, oh, this is big money. It's, mm. I'm just starting out. The brand needs a bit of cash injection. Mm. So I was like, I'm here. And then I ended up, I remember producing the shoot, casting the shoot, doing the marketing, seeding, gifting, throwing a party, basically doing everything from beginning to end. And I can be honest, I think the brand paid me 20K at the time. Mm. And I remember thinking, oh, at the time, 20K was a lot of money. Mm. But actually, when I realised how much work I did, 20K was... And then when I realised what people were getting for collaborations, I said, don't cry, don't beg. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my example. Yeah. Do you have one maybe that you would feel comfortable yeah, to share? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, well, for, for me, I think... It was really the lawyers and accountants. And what I didn't know, they bill you for every fucking thing. <laughs> like every text, every call, every... And I don't know, maybe it's just my na naivety at the time or just not wanting to believe that you're going to charge me to speak to me for one minute. Um, but I didn't... I, I guess I didn't realise that... Um, sounds really silly but nothing is free <laughs> and that uh, I have to understand that yeah people's people's time is money and I think also like when I go in or when I get offers um, that say they want to book me I don't know 10 months in advance can't give you my fee now because in 10 months it's going to be different you know what I mean today's price is not yesterday's <laughs> price it's not yesterday's price man and that is a big curb lesson because, Chai, a lot can happen from when you're negotiating the deal to when the deal actually comes out. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I'm you on and, that one. and as well, being like an independent artist, obviously everything is funded by me. Do you know, when I'm going on tour and when I'm doing these tours, it's like that's me investing in my live show, that's me paying out of my pocket my musician fees, the production, this person, this person. So, but I know it's 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 an investment on myself, you know. I want my show to be amazing and I'm happy to um bank on myself. Um, but I think where I probably went wrong is having the correct advisors and people telling me, actually, you're spending too much here. You could, you know, save that or you can do things a little smarter, I think. But when you're, when you just want it done, you just want it done, you know? But I think um, definitely taking more time with my business decisions and also, no one can't tell me about no deadline. Like, if you want me, you want me, you wait. Like, let me... That's another thing as well. Da -na -na -na. <laughs> Louder for the people at the back. 
No, in fact, it's like people get rushed into making decisions and then they end up making the right one. And I don't think that's fair. You know what I'm saying? I think you're investing yourself, you're investing your time, your hard work into something. I think you should be given the grace period to think if that is worth it for you. And I don't think it's fair to be told, like, if you don't have this. Obviously, there's taking a piss and then there's actually, you know, there's taking a real deadline, time. hard deadline. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think it's important to take your time with decisions and also have... Uh, correct people advising you as well. Well, that actually leads me on to my next question, which was who were some of your initial mentors that maybe helped you to navigate some of those awkward conversations or like you said, told you to be like, actually spend less here, more here. Is there anyone that kind of stood out to you that really helped you along the way? Yeah, for sure. I think even uh, someone that I work very close with now, um, Inflow, my team at Forever Living Originals have really um, helped me in just my business mindset and understanding that a contract, you can put anything you want in a contract and you can take anything out. And it doesn't have to be 46 pages. If you really want, it could be two. Do you know, just these little things that you think, raw, like, what? I ain't got a skin through. Like, there's, you know... Um, yeah, just these little things and understanding that also everything is a conversation is what I've learned. And you can actually, at the end of the day, you're dealing with humans, you know, so you can actually pick up the phone and talk things through with people. And it doesn't have to be like this sharky, like way of doing things, you know. Um, yeah, for sure. I agree with you on the fact that everything is a negotiation. Yeah, everything is a negotiation. In this life, everything is a negotiation. And I think it's important that people know that because, like you said, because a contract says this, it doesn't mean that. And also, like you said, you're dealing with humans. So sometimes, I'm the worst for this, sometimes I'm, I'm quite bad for texting on the go. So sometimes it's all messaging on the go, emailing on the go, um, which I've realised sometimes can come across in a certain way. And actually, if you just call that person or speak through it or be like, I interpreted it as this, but did you mean it's really, that? It's like, no, man, like, <laughs> that's not what I meant. Or, yeah, Add a few more it. zeros. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit more. I'm going to go into music now yeah. because um, sometimes I might be an introvert is my Big go-to. Album. It's, it's Are you all right? And the tour ended with you headlining three Brixton Academy shows in a row. The first woman to ever do so, may I add. Um, how was that tour? And how is touring for you, just in general? Touring's fun. It's like, it's probably the one time in my life like I can allow myself to be babied. <laughs> Because I am, uh, it's so physically taxing on my body. Like I'm just, you know, my output of what I'm giving is so much that actually, yeah, I need to be pampered, you know. And I don't, um, I don't hold back on that as well. I think artists can feel bad for asking for what they need. And it's like, you need to have what you need in order to be able to do your job to the highest level, do you know? And um, I take pride in my shows. When people come to my shows, I want them to have an incredible experience. I want it to be fun. I want it 
you know, cry if you want, laugh if you want, dance if you want. So in order for me to create that experience for someone, I need to make sure I'm at my best. Um, but touring can also be isolating. It can also be, um, I don't know, I think when I'm away from home is when I actually can look at my life because I'm Externally. away from, exactly, mm -hmm. do you know? Um, and so, yeah, if, if you're getting ahead a lot, uh, you'll, be, you'll be facing a lot. Sure. Um, but as well, I love it. I love being on the road. And I think, I think I'm actually going through a withdrawal right now mm. <laughs> because I'm not touring. Mm. And it is addictive, you know. It is, you do get a rush and you do get something that's like, no, nah, I want to do shows. I want to. And so when I'm not for a couple of months, I'm a bit, uh, don't know what to do with myself. So I'm currently experiencing that. So if I start twitching this, because I haven't been on the road for a while. Um, but yeah, otherwise it's vibes, man. Um, Brixton was wicked as well. We done it, we done it for a mad time because it was just coming out of COVID. Um, but even still, the fact that people still came out to my shows, um, I ain't gonna lie, I had COVID at the time I did those shows. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mad, mad, mad. But it was just like, man, this is I've almost been dreaming of this my whole life. And I've been waiting for it. And I've been going to shows at Brixton forever since I can remember. So now to be the first woman to be able to sell out three nights in a row, it's like nothing is stopping me from getting on that stage. Guys, we need a round of applause for that accolade right there. You know, I'm laughing because I've been wanting to ask you this for so long. So, Point and Girl is my jam. Like, my, is, my, is, my, is my jam. I feel it in my bones. I feel it in my spirit, yeah? You shot it in Lagos. And, you know, it's so mad because I was watching the video again for the one million. I think all the views on YouTube are for me. I'm not going to lie. But I was watching it again last night and I actually spotted your mum. And you know why I love your mum? Because the first time I met your mum, first of all, your mum has a gold tooth right here. And when she smiled at me, I had one. I used to have one right here. And, I, and, and the way she gave me, I said, auntie. And she just hugged me with the warmest hug. And then I went after watching it yesterday, I was like, oh, your mum's in the video. I didn't even clock that your mum was in the video. You shot it in Lagos. I seen some, some scenes at the shrine. Talk us through that experience. Chaotic. <laughs> Chaotic. Beautiful chaos. But um, no, it was honestly like, it was, I'm so happy we done it there. I'm so happy like, had the opportunity to shoot at Fellow Shrine, um, bring my mom, of course. Um, but I think just, obviously I'm used to being in, on set in London where like, you know, things are just a bit more, but in chaos, anything can go, um, in Lagos, anything can go, which is fine as well. So I guess it's part of the fun. Um, what I didn't enjoy was being on a horse, um, yeah, that scene actually changed because I weren't having it. They, they put me on a horse on like this skinny bridge where there's water on either side. and they, In Nigeria? Yeah. Chai. 
and the guy that <laughs> who was know, doing the insurance for this shit yeah, for this shoot mad, mad. who insured this shoot because that, that scene I don't know that one should not have been approved yeah, I called it off I called it off um, Obi was like meant to be next to me with, with the horse but he's trying to hold it down as well I'm on the horse and the guy that's um, like taking care of the horses he can't be nearby because it's a wide shot so he has to set the horse and then go to the other end of the bridge and get out of the shot so I'm on the horse and then it starts doing stuff and I just wave, I say, yeah, no, nah, this isn't going to work at all. So we ended up changing the shot, which actually worked in the better. field. Yeah, in the yeah. field. Um, and yeah, so that's a little story about that. But otherwise, it was it was good. It was fun. I do love the shrine. And if any of you ever take a trip to Lagos, um, it's a must-see. It used to be fellas' home and they've kind of converted it into an open music space. Um, but it still has the same nostalgia as it did back in the day. Like all the beer crates are still there. Star beer, everything that is outside, all the crates are there, and um, it's yeah, just it a feels beautiful. Feels like a time warp. Like yeah, you're walking literally. into that era, do you know. Um, and obviously, my mum, being you know a true Lagosian, as she says, <laughs> uh, she would go to like the shrine in her teenage days and stuff. And so it's just even nice seeing like oh, like, used to rave here kind of thing. Like, that's that's cool. The first time I told my dad that I was going to the shrine, he said, they smoke weed there. You, they smoke weed there. You cannot go there. It's not safe. Me, 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 meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, um, but I was like, you know, do not bougie. I was like, I'm going with waste care. It's fine. Um, but, I love the soya, I love the food, I love the culture. If anybody gets the chance to, I know it sounds scary, but if anyone gets the chance to go to, Le to Lagos, to go to Nigeria, yeah, take it. It, it is sure. a cultural homage. Sure. Um, I had a collection which I showed at Lagos Fashion Week, actually, and I took all my friends, all my friends from home, mm -hmm. took them to Lagos for the first time, and many a fun was had, and I'll just <laughs> leave it at that. <laughs> I'm gonna talk a little bit about you acting. I think I remember you from Spirit Warriors and Youngers, but then I think I'm showing my age, dear. Really? But I guess I'm knowing it. I know, babe, I'm showing my age. What? Um, but most people will know you as Shelly in Top Boy. Yeah. How, tell us about how you ended up in Top Boy and maybe some of the new skills that you learned transitioning from music. Yeah. Um, how I get into, uh, I just auditioned. Like I, I auditioned for the role. Um, and then I had like three callbacks. The, f the final callback was with Ashley. So we'd done like a chemistry read. Um, we was just going through some scenes and uh, and then I heard I got the part and, and that was kind of that. But I think like obviously growing up with it and watching it when I was in school and whatnot, it just felt nice to be a part of like um, telling, telling stories of people, even though they're fictional characters, it's like we all know someone in Top Boy, essentially, do you know what I mean? Even my character, um, one of my good, good friends, like she has a similar story to Shelley. So even that having conversations with her and being able to uh, understand really what she had been through in order to make sure I'm getting the essence right for the character and playing it to the highest level, essentially. Um, but shooting in East London is fun. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, yeah, when you're out, the school kids are out, they know what you're doing, they're like, yeah, it's, it's crazy, it's, it's, it's good fun, and obviously working with Ashley and Kane, Kane is someone that has 
been supporting me for, for so long. He's, he's almost like a big brother figure. Um, we didn't have many scenes, but anytime I did see him on set, he was a super supportive and always there to help me run lines. And it's good when you're, he's obviously doing music as a solo artist, it's quite, it's, it's insular, everything is you. So when you're acting and you're working, you're part of an ensemble, it's nice to be able to spar with people, tell people to bounce, um, bounce off of and, and yeah, just it's just creative of a nice environment, especially when it's seasonal. It's like you do one season and everyone goes off, does different stuff, and then you come back and it's the same lighting guy and it's the same gaffer and it's the same director. It's, it's nice, it's like a family. Fam I was about to say family yeah, settings. Exactly. Were you always doing acting like parallel to music? Yeah, mm. yeah. I was always doing acting um, alongside music. However, that was just even just writing scripts and coming up with um, show ideas or film ideas, whether or not they came into fruition, I was always um, in the background just like, this is, I know this is something I still want to pursue and this is something that I still want to be a part of my um, thing, yeah. Um, so yeah, I was always, and I love film as well, so yeah. Well, in the spirit of pivoting and prospering, um, you photographed all the women from the show, yeah. uh, with the main characters. Um, when did you actually start getting into photography? Mm. And the reason why I'm really intrigued by this, because when we met for lunch and we were talking, you were telling me, I, like, oh, mm. I love photography. And I was like, really? Mm. Um, but I think it goes to show how sometimes maybe one domino effect can tip over into another yeah. and produce other opportunities that you might yeah. not have even visualised from the beginning. Um, yeah. When did you actually start into your photography journey and yeah. how was it for you like linking it into your other revenue streams, mm -hmm. as we would say? Um, when I was in school, I think my sister got me like, a, call it a digital camera and I just, it was pink and I just uh, remember being super obsessed with it and just wanted to take photos. And I think um, as the years went on, it was just something that I, I just take photos and archive them and never share them, like nothing like that. It's just like, oh, it's my little thing. Um, and then as I start, as my profile starts raising, it's like I, I'm now in front of the camera a lot more and actually I want to be behind the camera a lot more. Um, and I think photography, even acting, it's just another form of storytelling, which is essentially why I do music. You know, I just want to tell my story or someone else's and share that. And I think it doesn't, it doesn't have to be through the medium of music. I can do that in so many different facets. Like acting is still, it's not my story, it's still someone else's through photography. Um, I just like things that are honest and um, candid and uh, yeah, that tell, a, that tell a story and that's moving, you know? And I think, yeah, photography, you can obviously freeze time essentially and you can, uh, go back to a moment or say some memory, mm. you know, and so I'm just, um, yeah, I'm big on that. Well, you, I was actually going to ask you, what is one of your most favourite memories? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> in life? For your career. For my career? Yeah. Something super notable. Um, can I say mine of yours? <laughs> can you what, say? Can I say my, yeah, go, my go, moment go, of go, yours? Go, go. Your mum at the Brits. Oh, yeah. That was yeah. iconic. Good moment. Auntie gave it to them. I said, I was screaming. I said, finish them, Auntie, finish them. Finish them. Yeah, she won Best New Artist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she, 
Yeah, man, that's her thing. Yeah, for sure. No, that was, a, yeah, that was definitely a highlight, actually, for sure. And I remember being at the table and she was like, shaking, like, mom, stop shaking, like, you're making me, you know. And then, yeah, she just jumped up and was super happy. But it's, it's nice, especially because, obviously, watching it when you're growing up, like, I'm in my mom's living room, just on the floor, legs crossed, like, at the TV, like this. And then to be able to have her come up and accept the award with me is, um, yeah, very special. But I think one of the moments that I'm very just grateful for is maybe when I done Spirit Warriors, actually, <laughs> and I got my first bag from it and I bought a mic. And I think um, that was just because um, I was so young and yet... <sighs> I knew I should invest in myself. I don't know what it was. Like, it wasn't me going out and, I don't know, getting whatever, whatever. It's like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get something that's, that's going to lead me to generational wealth. Like, not something that's just going to be hot for the summer, do you know? And I think the fact that, yeah, I'm just very, very proud of myself for that. <laughs> I yeah. love that. And in the spirit of long-term, short-term, I think... It's important, like you just mentioned, about investing in yourself. Um, I think we don't talk about it enough. I think sometimes socials, well, obviously we see all the highlights, and we think, you know, everything is going great for everybody all the time. I would say, obviously, being in the creative industry comes with its own pressures, highs, lows. Um, how do you kind of maybe manage your mental health? Um, and I would say stay grounded. Because everything's so fast-paced. Fast, fast, fast. Um, well, I started going to therapy, actually. And that's... Oh, that's a whole never podcast episode, man. <laughs> Jeez! Yeah, yeah, I started going. And uh, I don't know why I didn't do it sooner, to be very honest. I think, like... Um, how is anyone meant to deal with the lights being on you, 24s, you know? And I've... I mean, I've, I think I've done an okay job of remaining my privacy and my personal life is my personal life and I have a medium to talk about my personal life which is through my art you know I'm not trying to be out here doing anything scandalous or just like it's not that you know but um I think that's really helped for sure and I think it's again another great investment in myself and uh giving myself that and having a space to talk with someone that don't know me from nowhere, don't owe me nothing, like has no emotional attachment to me. Um, and yeah, sometimes I'm just like, are you sure you want to know this? Do you know? But she's, yeah, it's great. So I think that's, that's helped. But also uh, your company and who is around you is very important. Um, and I've been through my fair share of people coming and people going and people dropping off and people giving it, you've changed and this and that. But the truth is, like, you genuinely don't, though. Do you know, it's actually... There are the select few that, it, you know, gets to their head and whatnot, but more time is everyone around, you know? So I think it's important to have people around you that know you as the person and not the artist or the thing, do you know? Um that helps me remain grounded. Uh, what else helps me remain grounded? Um, getting a, a food package from my mom every so often. 
taking my nephew to training, just doing normal stuff, you know? Like, I want to be a part of people like his life. And that's the thing, when you're um, in an industry like this, and when your career is going a certain way, it's very easy to miss moments, and therefore it's very easy to make excuses. Oh, I'm working, sorry I can't be there, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. But the truth is, like, you can make it work if you want to. So it's not easy, but it's worth it, you know? I, I personally want to be there for people's... Um, people that I really care about, I want to be there for certain moments in their life. If if it's a birthday, if it's a wedding, if it's a this, I will prioritise that, you know, over anything. Yeah. Do you know what? I think COVID really made me um, stop, think, wait a minute, um, and really made me think about what was important because yeah. I think sometimes you just move from one project to the next project to the next project. Um, I didn't really celebrate any wins. Like, even now, low-key, I'm like, raw, 10 years, you know? Like, <laughs> like That's big. And, That's I, and I say it humbly, but yeah. also, like, quite scary. <laughs> but I think it's important that you do celebrate small wins. Yeah. And I do definitely feel like it's important to um, keep... I always call them my riders yeah. around me. Mm. Um, it's mad, because when I go to the raves in the ends, people like... Big shot, what are you doing here? I'm like, me? First of all, I'm not a big shot. But secondly, are you always going to see me in the dance? Yeah. Last, 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 I'll be in the dance. But um, I definitely feel like that's what's helped me and my support system. And also, like, I talk about this quite a lot with, like, these kind of events that, you know, people sometimes think about networking as networking up or looking at, at people that can help you or are doing better than you. And sometimes it's actually acknowledging the people that are around you. Um, a lot of my friends that just have normal nine to five jobs uh, help me with my contracts, help me with my accounting, help me with HR if I need to hire someone on the team. So, you know, I think for me, it's also just the power of your network is more than just networking, if that makes sense. Um, and I think that was something that I really wanted to, 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 to mention because especially when you're in spaces like this where you, somebody, some people might have come alone, some people just wanted to make new friends and that's cool. Do that. Talk, tap your neighbour on the side and say hello, all of that good stuff. Um, but I also think it's important when you're thinking about networking, especially when you're getting into the creative industry, is that actually your network outside of that industry is just as valuable to you. Um, and to also like... They say you, sh you shouldn't really be the smartest in the room. Mm. Do you know? That's like, you're not, there's a, there's a cap on that. So I think it's important to like be around people that challenge even just your way of thinking or your way of doing something um, and not being, <clears throat> not being afraid to hear what you don't want to hear. Do you know? I think it's important for sure. I think I wanted to kind of, to sum summarise actually, wanted to ask you, we done already. I was just kidding. No. Oh, okay. I mean, in, in this corner here. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, in this section, maybe some advice or tips that you would that you've learned in terms of pivoting in music, in photography, in acting. Yeah. Maybe just one or two tips that you would give to anybody here or who will be listening after. Um, I would say on potentially something that you've learned or maybe mm. something that you would have done differently or just something for people at home to think about? Mm. Um, something that I 
<clears throat> carry with me is like, if it's scary, it's probably a good thing. If it's a risk, that's also not a bad thing. Um, that's where you grow, I think. That's where you stretch yourself. And I think um, it's also okay if people don't see your vision. That That's around you, especially, because I think, well, at least for me, like, you know, coming up or whatever, it's like you want to... You want to get the okay from the people that are around you because then it kind of validates you or your idea, whatever it is. But like I said, like it's not, not everyone's going to think the same way you do. Um, and it's okay if people don't get your your thing right away. Um, I would say uh, don't lead with emotion. Um, I feel like I'm triggered. <laughs> With business, though. Um, and I say that because I think also when we're starting up, we work with people or employ people that are friends, that are family, that you know we know from down the road or whatever it is. And then when that person that's close to you doesn't feel what you need to be done, it's like oh, there's a letdown and there's a this and you feel disheartened and it's it can fracture uh, fracture relationships. And I think, um, yeah, I think it's important to understand that more time people are just doing their best, do you know what I mean? And that's okay. And it's okay to give people opportunity, but also I don't think your standard or you operating from a higher level should ever come down to to make someone else feel good. Basically, don't dim your light trying to comfort or make someone else feel good, do you know? Um, Cheers. Yeah. That one's definitely louder for the people at the back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If that um, helps, I don't know. I'm trying to think. I was going to say that I think mine would be know the business behind anything that you're doing. Yeah. Because sometimes Instagram makes it look like it's just vibes and aesthetics. And yeah. there is real business behind every element, element of this creative industry. Facts. It's a business yeah. at the end of the day. So, and I was naive to that at the beginning. Um, I started a brand out of necessity. I even started this podcast out and talk out of necessity. I thought there's not enough brown women that I see in the industry mm. that, have, that I can really go to and be like, sis, how much are you getting paid? Like, how much should I be invoicing? Like, the real questions that you kind of want to know. I didn't feel like there was enough of a safe space. And I genuinely felt that because majority of my circle were first generation. So our parents did the best that they could with what they had, right? Mm. And unfortunately, sometimes when you come into this industry, your peers are people that have had generational wealth, mm. generational knowledge. Yeah. Um, information. Information. And I think the biggest advice that I would give is don't be afraid to ask. Mm. Your network, your WhatsApp groups, your LinkedIn, put the question out there and you'll actually be pleasantly surprised on the responses mm. that you get back. Mm. If you're genuinely, and do you know when this came up, I think there was a few of us that randomly started talking one at an event over dinner and a few of us had been approached by a brand that will remain nameless mm. to do an activation. And the disparity between what was offered 
between each person was wild. And actually, at that table, if we never just didn't feel comfortable to say, do you know what, they offered me this, or they offered me that, a few people would have been, well, I would say 70% of that table would have been low-balled. So, not just in regards to money, also just in regards to knowledge. If there's an opportunity or you're not sure about how something works, put it out there. And I think sometimes in this day and age, we shy away from asking the questions out of fear of appearing that we don't know. Um, so I think for me, I have no shame now, boy. I'm like, sis, please, I need some advice. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm comfortable to say that. And I'm comfortable to ask, or I'm not sure, or if I've seen anybody that's done it before, if, the, if we have mutual friends, it's the great thing about these social media platforms. You can go and see who your mutual friends are. I can ask them, please, can you do an introduction for me? Just want to, I just, sis, just want to ask you a couple questions. And more time, people have time. Like, even if it's just a quick, I just needed to ask you this and a quick reply, people have time. So I think my advice would be never be afraid to ask and always look at who came before you and don't be afraid to ask them because then you know what your fee should be, sis. That's big. And even like to go off that, I think a lot of that is instinct, like to be able to follow your and listen to your gut, which is, they say, your second brain or some shit. But li listen to that. I think that won't fail you. Yeah. Shy. I've got some speedy questions, then we're going to go into a Q&A. Um, favourite place, favourite city in the world? London. Hey, that is a easy one. Um, favorite food? I'm really into <laughs> pasta right now. I'm really into Italian. Obviously, like Nigerian food is always <laughs> going to be at the core, but right now, yeah, I'm into pasta. You're into pasta. Yeah. What activities do you do to make yourself feel good? Um, I play tennis and I go to the gym. I love that. Yeah. And when do you feel the most comfortable in your own skin? Um, every day. Jeez. And what's next for you? Uh, what, are allowed to, what are you allowed to tell us, I should say? I'm releasing a book. Yeah. Oh, thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm releasing the book. It's a, it's not an autobiography or memoir. I'm way too young for that. But uh, it's just a coffee table book, and I guess it uh, encapsulates part of the journey, part of the story so far, along with some photos I've taken, some people I've encountered, some people I've spoken to that are doing amazing work, like even just in my community. Um, yeah, it's cool. It's called the book. Guys, you had to hear first. <laughs> Exclusive. So we have a Roman mic around. Um, so yeah, we're going to take some questions now, guys. Anybody? Hello. Hi. Hello. Um, thank you for this. It's been brilliant. Um, one question I have, as women, both of you who've like pioneered new spaces and first generation or children of immigrants, how do you handle the pressure of feeling like I'm the first, so I have to get up, I have to show out, you have to do like, you know, 
it feels like sometimes when you're the first in the space, everything feels like its own little revolution. And how do you do that, handle that pressure, but also give yourself time for rest? Because it's not every day, you know, protest. Sometimes enjoy the spoils of your labor. How do you manage that to both of you? Um, I think I'd, the part of me feels like that is a myth. And like, you don't, it's not even there. Do you know what I mean? You don't have to be the first to do anything. Or I understand like the, there's people that will tell you that, but in essence, you, I don't think you do. And I think the first thing is trying to alleviate that pressure and anything you do, uh, it, it should be for you. I think the only reason why it's a pressure is because it feels like it's for everyone else or for, do you know, when it's like to you, unless you want that for yourself, then I don't think that's a pressure that you should have to, or weight you should have to carry. Um, but yeah, I think we're all victims of that. I've definitely felt that. Um, but yeah, as I'm growing, I'm just learning. That actually, that's that's actually a myth. Unless I want to be the first to do it or I want to do it, I'm not going to allow someone to project that onto to me. Yeah. I think for me, I'm actually the first of four. So I don't know. I think I felt that pressure because... Oh, yeah, true. I'm the baby, innit? You're the baby, baby. Yeah. You, you came when everything was already yeah, lined up. Yeah, the pattern yeah, was already there. That. The yeah. yellow brick road was already lit, sis. <laughs> but I think true. for me, maybe my experiences being firstborn were interesting one because I, I think I was the mum. Essentially, my mum worked two jobs. Um, so I would get my little sister, who's somewhere in here today, from nursery um, and make sure that they were fed. Um, so I was almost like the second mum, really. Um, so imagine when I'm like, oh, I'm not going down this academic route, I'm going to go this way. Um, but I also feel like I'm also my mum's child, so I'm headstrong <laughs> and hardworking. So if I put my mind to something no one can really steer me away. And going back to what you say, I think if you're doing something for yourself and not for everyone, it's different. I literally just wanted leggings and a long sleeve top. <laughs> it's literally that. It sounds so silly, doesn't it? But I couldn't get it anywhere. In school, I wore boys' trousers. I used to wear double XL boys' jumpers just so that it, I didn't have wrist, wrist swingers. Like, nothing used to fit. So I guess my brand was just made out of necessity. So... I think having that conversation with my mum was a bit easier because she couldn't buy me shoes nowhere. She couldn't buy me clothes nowhere. Um, but I do, I hear what you're saying. But I also feel like it comes with courage in knowing what you want and being confident to speak about it. Because a lot of the easy deterrences come from when you, when you sound shaky, when you're not really sure. When the ground is looking shaky, sis, you need stabilizers. <laughs> but I think when, you, when you're confident about what it is you want to do, you can articulate it in the right way. People just fall in line. And you lead by example. When you're doing it, you be about it. Like, just do it. And I think once everything starts to align, people will quickly start coming. There were many people that said to me, what, tall girls can't find clothes? Is it really? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. And, you know, I did it. And I just was about it. So I think sometimes it is actually the scariest bit and the fear is just taking that step forward. Everything else falls in line. I think. <laughs> Good evening. Oh, hey, babes. Hey. Um, you mentioned that sometimes people can't see the vision because it's, it's too big. 
Um, for me, one of those is education. Uh, I think that's a sort of a pillar, especially around young people where the narrative is quite often negative. Um, so for my question is, if you was to build a school, which I'm in the process of doing, what would be the one thing that you'd want or as a young person that you wish you'd had for both of you in your school? Finance lessons. Because they had business studies at school, but it was optional. I don't think it should be optional. I think it should be mandatory, the same way that maths, English, science is. And when I say business, when I say finance studies, I mean like just in life about mortgages, about like, you know, how to navigate buying a house. Like I weren't taught at school how to buy a house or, you know, when you go to uni, every bank is there offering you every card under the sun. You're just taking it, chopping it, saying, ah, how much is the overdraft? Mum, dear, I'm dear. You know, but actually, are you paying, are you paying that back on time? What is your credit score? Because I think these are all the things that come to hit you and, they say adulting is really adulting. So I think for me, financial literacy from a very early age is something that would have been, I would love to see at your school. We outside, sis. Uh, I think, uh, like, a therapist. Already in there. Oh, well, yeah, then. <laughs> you're on it, yeah. Wow, when is this school coming? Yeah, right? <laughs> when the book's out. Ah, amazing, love that. Yeah, I think, yeah, well, then you're there, you know? I think uh, if I had that at my school, it would just make me, or help me process emotions from an early age. And so, therefore, I don't think I would struggle with communication as much as I have. If I knew how to properly do that from young, and I think from young, the base level of like even communicating when you're frustrated or you're mad is to shout and you know what I mean. So I think Chat um, Nigerians, yeah. <laughs> so I think having that from a from an early age could be really beneficial. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you for what you're There's doing. Some up, up front. Great, congratulations. I can't wait. Please invite me. I will first be there. Wherever you need, I'm committed to supporting you, sis. See, we love that. You are thinking ahead. We love that. Have you ever experienced imposter syndrome? And if so, how have you ever, how, how have you overcome that? Yeah, I have, for sure. Um, being, being in a space and feeling like you're not meant to be there. Yeah, for sure. Um, on many levels. Just without even the, the title of Sims or whatever, just being a black person, do you know? Um, but I think, I don't know, I think it's maybe a, a confidence thing and trying to build self-confidence and self-esteem, um, I think is something that can help overcome that from my experience and just knowing that my place and who I am and like, no, I'm in this room because I'm meant to be in this room. And actually, if I feel that uncomfortable, I have the power to leave. Do you know? I don't have to be anywhere I don't want to be. Do you know? So, um, yeah, if that answers your question, I'm not too sure. I think for me, oh, this is a tough one because I battle with it still now. I think the higher up in your creative career and I would say... Um, yeah, the higher up you are when you go internal in a company and you're in a corporate infrastructure, even at director level, which I'm at now, I still struggle. 
because again it goes back to you are surrounded by unfamiliarly unfamiliarity I can never say that word properly but just you're surrounded by people who are not from your culture don't really relate um, and I say this because black culture is popular culture um, and people know how to monetize it but don't embrace it and I think for me my job is still a challenging one even when I talk about TTYA and going into rooms and talking about feeling excluded from a fashion conversation and people in those rooms automatically think well I'm not tall so this doesn't apply to me so I think it's do you know what I've mastered and it goes back to what we were saying at the very beginning everything is like a negotiation I handle everything like a negotiation so I never really have imposter syndrome because I think I know my value here and I'm gonna sh I don't even feel like I need to show you, but here's a couple things I'm gonna pattern up so that you know what time it is. And I think once I always have that mentality, I kind of shy away from everything else. And I think that's why sometimes it is difficult because we have to be 10 times better than our counterparts and we have to do 10 times more. But I think once we're in a position where we are communicating and collaborating and sharing information with our peers, then actually those rooms will start to look a little bit more like us and will feel a little bit more comfortable. It's my advice. Good evening. Hi. Um, first of all, I want to say thank you for writing Woman. It's such a powerful affirmation. Um, my question is, as a creative person that also has to manage business responsibilities, what do you do to restore your levels of creativity when you've just got so much on your plate? Like what gives you the power to be able to still go and write a song or do photography or like memorize a script? Like how do you keep that creative engine going? Um, I think as an artist, you're always looking for inspiration, even if you know it on a conscious level or not. Um, so I think being more conscious of what is going on around, do you know? Sometimes people probably think I'm weird. Sometimes I'm just looking at people like, oh, that's a cool scene in a movie. Or like, do you know, I just try and draw inspiration from all around me as much as possible. I also switch off and sometimes I have to miss it um, for me to be able to go back into the studio and, and create. Um, or switch mediums and try something that I'm not so good at, you know? And sometimes when you keep doing something you're good at, it's like, it's not, it doesn't challenge you anymore. So I think being able to switch mediums or challenge yourself and stretch yourself and doing something that you're not too comfortable in might bring something out of you that you want to place into that thing that you're great at, do you know? Yeah. And I would just add to that, even though I know the question wasn't for me. Um, <laughs> Building a strong team as well. I think the people around you and your support network and your team and knowing your strong points, right? So even with my brand, for example, I know that I don't really want to handle the back end anymore. Like it's exhausting. Doing markups, margins, wholesale prices, thinking about your marketing. I just want to do front end. I like doing marketing. I like being people person. So actually knowing that that's not something that I'm passionate about, but getting someone that is passionate about that to do operations. So I would say a lot of it is about teamwork mm -hmm. and, and solidifying a really good team. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Oh. oh, yeah, 
He's had his hand up for a minute, so that's how We got time, put it back. Don't worry. Um, yeah, this is really sick. Well done. Um, you. Big up yourself. My question is, yeah, a lot of the time when you're, you have any sort of like success, whether it's a little bit or not, yeah, or big, a lot of the conversations people have with you on a day-to-day basis are based around your success and stuff. The question I have is kind of deep, but are you happy? Damn. And, and, <laughs> and did your success contribute to any of your happiness or not? Because I think a lot of people think when you get mad successful, you become the happiest person in the world. Yeah. But I want to ask, like, does it make you happy? Did it contribute? And are you happy right now? Mm-hmm. Irene? I'm, <laughs> I'm ecstatic. <laughs> um, I am extremely happy because I feel like my happiness isn't dependent on success, if that makes sense. And I don't know, I know this might sound like I'm dumbing myself down, but I don't know if I would say that I am successful. Let me say that, let me rephrase. In a, I think it's important, it, it's all by metrics, right? So success, it depends on what success means to you. Is, is my point. Sorry, let me rephrase that one. Okay, okay. It depends on what success means to you. So success to me actually isn't, it's, it's financial stability. It's um, having a passion, which I do, which actually my job is my passion. I wouldn't do it for anything else. And actually doing <laughs> minister of enjoyment. So I like having a good time. <laughs> and that's what actual success means to me. But also I know that understanding my purpose I would say finally is directly related to my success and I'm a big believer in God but I definitely feel like God put me on this planet for a reason and my reason and my purpose is to unlock those doors that they never want us to open and I believe that my purpose is to really it's taken me a long time to get there I'm not gonna lie but every day I always think about my purpose being that I have visibility in spaces that I know that people don't. And actually, if I don't allow my community to understand what is accessible to us, you can't be what you can't see. So I think for me, that's how I value success. And to answer your question, I am very happy. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, am, I, am I happy? I, yeah, I am. I experience moments of happiness. I think I feel more joy, like constant joy. Um, But I think, to be honest, my happiness fluctuates. Um, And I don't charge myself for that. And I also try not to pin that on other people. Like, whether that's relationships or whatever it is, it's like they're not um, responsible for my happiness. Sorry, what was was the second part was the success part that that contributed to that right? Oh, does it link? Um, Yes and no. I think like I, if I'm being totally honest, I probably have a big ego, and that's because I'm an artist, and so I think everything I do is sick. I think. I'm the best rapper in the world, you know, I think so. I think um, sometimes I link a lot of that to my success. Even like if I win an award or something and it's like, you know, we go get the award and 
go to the after party and it's like you should be ecstatic and but actually I got a mad headache this day has been so long I don't I'm happy but I don't feel truly fulfilled right now um but I think what does make me happy though is contributing also to other people's success I think I really enjoy um yeah, just helping and being of service. I think I'd, I, f I feel happy when people around me are also happy and yeah, doing. Value. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, if that answers your question in any way. Hey. First of all, I want to tell you that you're incredible. Oh, and I saw you in you. Europe in your tour and it was one of the most really? moving shows ever uh, in Vienna. It was Vienna, oh, wicked. Yeah. Thank you. And my question to you, you mentioned that you're kind of like very keeping your private life yourself from the public eye, yeah. but still, obviously, you're not an anonymous character in the planet, for in, at least in many countries in the world, I would say. And how do you feel about like, because you're not anonymous, sometimes it would be that you interact with people and they might have a motive that is not so clean to be wanting to be around you. Yeah. Do you feel like you have like good gut feeling about these kind of cases? And have you ever, like you don't have to specify a case, but have you ever gotten hurt by it? Like thinking someone is so sick and so nice to you and wants to be your friend, but actually he just wanted to get close to you for the artist you are, the name, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yes, I've definitely experienced that. Um, but I think for me, I'm always just going to be myself. You know what I'm saying? I just greet everyone the same way. I treat everyone the same way. Um, and I genuinely believe God has me. So I don't even remove you. It God will remove you for me. Do you know what I mean? Because I'm bringing myself to any situation or any scenario and I'm being pure. Um, and I think, yeah, God, God protects pure hearts. Touch your so. neighbor and say, Amen. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was the last one here. All my questions have been answered, but I just wanted to say, you're writing a book. Do you have any recommendations for books that have inspired you in your life and that have helped you connect your intuition and deepen your purpose? Yeah, for sure. Um, Jay Shetty, Think Like a Monk, is a really good book. It talks a lot about purpose, defining your purpose, um, and understanding your dharma. I think that's the word for it. Um, but yeah, Jay Shetty, Think Like a Monk, um, and The Road Less Traveled as well by M. Scott Peck is a good book, for sure. All About Love is a good book. Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. You know where your head's at. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I'd say Think Like a Monk is probably one of the top for me right now. Mm -hmm. And you too, Abby. Me too. Oh, gosh, I feel like I'm on the spot. I'm an audiobooks kind of girl, I'm not going to lie. I put it on in the house and, oh, God, there's so many. How to Fix Your Life. <laughs> How to heal your life. Yeah. Um, do you know what? I really enjoyed 50 Cent's book. Has anyone read it? Do you know what? His book is really good. He talks about like his business deals. He talks about business. He talks about how he be 
became an ambassador. I'm doing promo here. 50, come and pay me some coins. But um, I found it really interesting because I didn't know what to expect. And he narrates some of his book, which is great. Um, but actually, he drops gems on how he became a brand ambassador to now owning royalties and shares in the brand. And like, it's just really insightful because it's about the music business, but the business, the being business. So I would say that. And I'm currently listening to Bazoma St. John's book, which I find fascinating because it's about failures and heartbreak. And yeah, and she's a boss babe in marketing world. And I just am obsessed with her. And yeah, so those are my two current readings. I don't know if they're my favorite books of all time, but I'm not really one for being on the spot. I'm really sorry about it. Thank you. I don't. Oh, there it's working. So you 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 made a song called Therapy, and in it you said, "I, I don't need no therapy." Yes. So I just wondered what was the because you did make a very strong argument <laughs> <laughs> about why you weren't going to engage with therapy. So I just wondered was there a pivotal moment that you said actually maybe I don't need it, I want it, or what, what happened? What was the change for you? Accountability. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you know what? When I said that, I was hoping no one had heard the song. <laughs> but um, here we are. Yeah, no, I did. I think uh, at the time, I was in a very, I'm a handle it myself space. Uh, I'm a deal with it myself. I got this, I can, you know. And uh, I just felt that wasn't healthy. And I felt, even though I was handling it, um, or whatever it was, I hadn't actually tried therapy. Everything you're hearing in the song is everything like I almost imagine therapy to be um, based on what I had heard, you know? It, and it also... For me, it wasn't like I'm in a super low space, I'm going to go. I'm actually in a really good space and I'm still going to go. So I think it was just like not letting things get to a point where it's like I need that and just like let me just try it and see how I feel. And if I don't like it, I don't have to go, do you know? But it, yeah, and yeah, it's working. Pivoting Great. on purpose. Yeah, exactly. You pivoted. <laughs> into therapy <laughs> but yeah on that note guys I just want to say Sims yeah. you already know what it is I appreciate you I love you I champion you thank you for your time because time for me is one thing that you can never get back so I appreciate you sharing your time with us tonight um, this has been TTYA Talks guys I'm Irene TTYA if you like what you've heard today give me a signal Thank you. Um, this is the first of many. Like I said at the beginning, it's 10 years of TTYA. I'm going to be really curating something super special this year for Ten you guys. Years. I know, that's it's decade. mad, isn't it? Like, it's amazing. very mad. I'm showing my age here. Um, but also just to say that it's been 10-year love-hate relationship, but I love it so much because every day I get to connect with people, every day I get to share my experiences, and every day I get to enjoy the job that I do but also a piece of me I get to share a piece of me with you so thank you guys for your time thank you for coming tonight this has been TTYA Talks 
Um, and lastly, I just want to say there was a lot of female bosses that helped me put this together. So thank you for my team, good culture. Thank you to SJ, you've been fire. Um, thank you to Oyen at Shivas, my OG friend. She helped me curate this. And um, I just want to say that, like I said, sometimes your network isn't looking up, it's looking around. Thank you, guys. And thank you to The Standard. You guys have been fire. Thank you for having me. Bye, guys. We out. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed the podcast, please spread the word. Rate, review, subscribe, all of that good stuff. For any questions, please also feel free to send me a signal on Instagram or Twitter on the handles at IreneTTYA or at TTYA Talks.